Dan. What's up, Dan? What's up, Chris? Hey, how are you? Good. How you doing? Oh, good, man. Sorry about the uh, internet situation yesterday. I guess the spectrum was down. By the way, you sound so much better today. Uh, <laughs> nice and clear. Not all jerky all over the place. So yeah. So what service do you use in California? Uh, Spectrum. Spectrum. You either get that or AT and T, and AT and T is even worse. <laughs> yeah, we use Comcast and Xfinity over here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, now, Chris, you were originally from. Well, I'm sorry. You're from the East Coast and the West Coast. Oh, uh, well, I'm originally from the East Coast. I'm New Yorker, born and raised in New York, um, but I live mainly in Los Angeles. I've been out here for about 16 years now. So yeah, I guess it's about 50-50 almost. And I mean, I love the West Coast, the weather. And I think I asked you this before, but you have to throw away one place, New York, LA, what would you choose? Oh man, yeah, you did. You did ask me that last time. Uh, it's it's really tough, man. Like, like I said, I think the uh, the vibe and the people of the East Coast and New York and the weather of the West Coast. We could just put those both in one state together. Everything would be groovy. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it may make it make it kind of into a hybrid strain, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. I totally get it. So you know what's really cool, Chris? I mean, here's the thing. You know, every time I have a discussion or talk to people, I mean, obviously, I like creative people, people that have eclectic backgrounds, just just different, unique kind of backgrounds. Oh, so I probably hang up right now, then. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, I, I think I need to disconnect. So, what I like about what you're doing is, I mean, you started out as a bass player. You know, you played in rock bands, you toured the world, you toured. I mean, what were some of the highlights in your band career that what you worked as a as a working musician? Like, what are some of those highlights? Oh, yeah. Uh, as a songwriter, you know, um, I was pretty proud of a song I did that became the anthem for the New York Giants, Rangers and Knicks called Let's Go uh, New York. And I got to co-write that song with Harley Flanagan, who's a uh, of Cro-Mags fame, uh, you know, New York hardcore guy and also uh, Ray Castoldi, who's the organist and uh, music director for all the New York teams, the Giants, the Rangers, and the Knicks. So it's pretty cool to have a, a song that we did that was playing at all the games and their stadiums. That was cool. Uh, obviously getting uh, to tour around, I've got to tour with uh, Scorpions and uh, Chris Cornell, a uh, bunch of bands that you know I listened to growing up and really liked, and then got to play with those guys, it was cool. Um, had my music in a lot of different video games, uh, ad campaigns, things like that. So yeah, all exciting stuff. So, I mean, tour, I mean, playing with those bands is pretty cool. I mean, definitely, and I grew up with those bands as well. Like anything that you like kind of took away touring with like a bigger band, it's like, wow, that was pretty cool. I remember that, I'll do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, every time you, just like with anything, you you watch someone who's a master of their craft, like really doing it at the, the highest level. And uh, you definitely learn things from them, just how they carry themselves on stage to their setup and the equipment that they're using, um, just how they run their operations, like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, the people they have working for them. Uh, 
yeah, well-oiled machine. I agree, Chris, it is a well-oiled machine. And that's kind of what I've learned is, you know, coming from the music background myself and, you know, working with smaller bands that went on to perform alongside with bigger artists. Mm -hmm. As you said, just the professionalism, the well-oiled machine, it's amazing to me how they remain creative and edgy, mm -hmm. but very business. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the, uh, the whole partying, like a rock star thing, I mean, sure, it happens, but it's a facade. Like, it's, it's kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A put on, a smoke and mirrors. You know, everyone that's at that level, the top level, those guys are straight businessmen. They're really professional about what they're doing. Um, they might seem like a, a crazy, you know, fun time and, and all that, but they, they got their head on their shoulders and, you know, they're doing it. You know, you're, I, I agree. It is a facade, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, sure, you know, you had artists engage in, you know, those different, you know, practices and behavior, mm -hmm. but it didn't rule the act. I mean, exactly. because if that lifestyle ruled the act, they would never be where they were. And you see it happen to plenty of bands. They, they want to emulate that. They think that's how you have to be. And then those are the guys who are strung out. They're not successful. They're not going on tour. They're not operating as a business and actually making money in the music business, which is a whole another animal than the creative side. So you got to have both. You got to have the creative and you also have to have the business mentality and work with the right people to really make it happen. So you transitioned from a bass player performing in rock bands to a tattoo artist. I did, yeah. Now, have you always been into tattoos? I've always been into tattoos. I've always had tattoos. I got my first one when I was 16. And at the time, it wasn't, there wasn't like Miami Ink and it wasn't as popular and cool as it was today. So back then, it was kind of just like, oh, wow, you got a tattoo. That's pretty crazy. And uh, I just always liked the, the art form of it. Uh, I've always been, you know, a painter. Uh, I always liked, you know, doing that style and that kind of art. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with being a musician. I mean, a lot of musicians have tattoos. It's just another way to express yourself creatively, um, kind of, you know, decorate your temple, so to speak, have, have something that no one else has on your arm. It's, uh, you know, a stamp, like a signature stamp for yourself. Now, how many tattoos do you have? Are you completely covered? Oh, yeah. I consider it one. I got everything. <laughs> wow. So you have your arms your back arms my back my legs stomach not my stomach i will though but i just <laughs> i don't have time but when I, i'll get to it how about your face no i won't do that i'll leave the the neck the face and the hands alone i could still wear a business suit and you would never know now do you do i mean do you do face tattoos for people uh i would but i would only do it on the condition that they're already uh, you know, heavily tattooed. They have their arms done. They maybe have their backs done. Um, not some 18 year old kid who's getting their first tattoo. Cause right now it's kind of a big trend, right? Like the, the mumble rappers, like little Zan and little pump or peep. I, I don't know, but they got like the, are always tired, like uh, post Malone, you know, that's cool. But those guys are set in their career. They already have 
you know, a good amount of money, they're established, they can kind of do what they want. But when you're 18 and, you know, just getting out of college and you have like a little, I don't know, teardrop or a knife coming down here, it's going to be kind of hard to get a job, you know? I agree. Now, like when you started, I mean, first of all, as a tattoo artist, like how do you practice? You practice on people. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, and you learn, you learn from your mistakes. Uh, I was really lucky. I got to do an uh, apprenticeship uh, actually with Greg James, who's a very famous tattoo artist. He uh, did all the Motley Cruz tattoos, Ozzy Osbourne's tattoos. Like in the eighties, the he was like the rock and roll tattoo guy to go to. Um, and I learned from him and uh, I did my first tattoo on one of my best friends, Chad Cherry, who's from the band, the Las Vegas. And then uh, I wound up sleeving them out now, but I remember that first one, I was, I was sweating bullets. I was pretty nervous. Turned out pretty good though. Still looks good today. But uh, yeah, I think if you have someone who knows what they're doing, showing you what to do, because there was a long buildup of learning things before I actually did it. That's the way to go about it. Not just go on Amazon and buy some cheap shit and uh, hope for the best because you wind up scarring and losing a lot of friends that way. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I always thought about that. I mean, how does a tattoo artist practice? I mean, does he start on a sketch pad? I, mean, I even think about that when I watch the Olympics. I mean, right? I mean, we watch these snowboarders or these skaters. I mean, they do these crazy things like that. It's like, well, how do you practice that? Yeah, I mean, they, like a professional skateboarder, think how many bones they've broken. Like uh, Tony Hawk, he's probably broken like every bone in his body at least twice trying to you know, nail that 1080 or whatever his, his move is. Same with this. It's, you know, you're, except your mistakes are on people for life. So, you know, and there's always something you can do to, to fix it up later or cover it up, um, you know, as you progress, but you have to get over that fear initially and just go for it and, you know, do your best and try to get better with each one that you do. I mean, it'd be kind of funny. I mean, your first client, you know, he wants a tattoo and you're like, guess what? You're my first client. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine going to a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're the first person I got the knife and congratulations. You're the first person. Yep. <laughs> now good to uh, practice on, you know, a friend that um, maybe doesn't care as much. Uh, not someone who's going to be super picky about their, their tattoo and want everything to be perfect. Cause your first time, no matter who you are, it's it's nothing like drawing. It's kind of like welding. It's uh, you're not going to be perfect. So now, I mean, ironically, I do not have a tattoo, so it's crazy. Oh, come on down. I I, I know it's like talk. I mean, <laughs> talking through this, I'm like, I really want to get a tattoo, but honestly, I I never. I mean, I always liked them. I think they look really cool. Um, I think they add a very cool dynamic. I, I just never got around to get one. But here's the thing. I understand like there's different, there's large needles, there's small needles. Sure. Does it hurt more to be tattooed with a large or small needle? Um, I would say a smaller needle would probably hurt more. And the reason being when you have a larger needle, um, like a shading needle or a color needle, we call them a magnum. And they look kind of like a paintbrush. They're kind of spread out. Um, there's more surface area, so it doesn't hurt as bad. But when it's like a 
a really fine point and it's small for like lining, that's a, a little more stingy, but it all fucking hurts. <laughs> now, how, I mean, I think that is one of the things that prevented me. Uh, I mean, literally, I mean, I'm just thinking, wow, does this hurt? I mean, you know, because Everyone when it comes... Yeah. Oh, so everyone has different pain tolerances too. It's, you know, one guy, like you get a here on your arm and it feels like nothing. The next guy might be jumping out of the chair. You, you know, it depends on the person too. You know, Chris, you know, you're absolutely right. In fact, you know, when I have like, when my dentist works on me, like with a cavity, I mean, he'll literally, this is no joke, no exaggeration. So my dentist will work with me. We all have cavities, right? There's so I'll put a filling in and they'll put some Novocaine in. And then you know how like they wait maybe like five minutes later for the Novocaine to set in and then mm -hmm. they come back for another round and they give you another Novocaine. So we'll come and be like, so come in the second time. It's like, how are you feeling? Can you feel this? I'm like, nope, feel good. All right, open your mouth, starts drilling. And then he'll see my body kind of react. He's like, wow. He's like, all right, let me give you some more Novocaine. Mm -hmm. Gives you some Novocaine. Comes back another two minutes. Once again, three rounds of Novocaine. He starts working on my mouth and he sees me start tensing up and he's like, you still feel it? And I like, I do. And then he just gets the note. He's like, bang, bang. <laughs> Bring until, a bucket. Right. <laughs> until like my, my whole, until my whole face, I can't even feel my face. Swollen, yeah. So, so now when I come in, he just knows, okay, Dean Kramer's coming in here. Like, let's yep. spend <laughs> the first 10 minutes, like making this guy like numb where he can't feel his, his brain. Yeah, but but I said to me, I said to him, is that normal? Like, is this pain tolerance thing normal? He goes, oh no, absolutely. He goes, listen, I have people like you where I gotta know we came them up, and I have other people where it's like one shot and they don't feel anything. Yep. Same same for us too, and you know everyone has different types of skin too. Some people their skin like the needle goes in nice and easy like butter and it looks great. Other people it's like tattooing a football and you have to really you know crank it up to get it in there. So. Just, just like him, it's like you got to learn to work with different people and uh, to make the outcome the best. Now, how do you feel about working on customers who aren't in their right mind? I mean, maybe they're intoxicated, maybe they've taken something like, and like, wh what do you do in that situation? Uh, I, I wouldn't do it. It's there's too much uh, liability with that. And, you know, you don't want someone to get something that they, might regret later you know you have to be in a good mental state to get a tattoo and know that you really want it uh it's for life you're committing to it and if you're you know drunk or high off your ass it's not a good good time to do it now what happens if you make a mistake um i mean it does happen but if you're a good tattoo artist uh, you usually are able to quickly correct the mistake and cover it up to the point that no one would notice um, I've been very fortunate. I've never had anything go terribly wrong, but I, you know, I, I know other people that I've I worked with before. They have horror stories. Like they put a stencil on backwards and then the design was backwards or something like that. The guy looked in the mirror and thought it was right. But, uh, <laughs> there's, there's always, there's always something you can do. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're working with a good artist who has experience, um, there shouldn't be really any terrible blunders at all now did you speaking about pain tolerance have you ever worked on someone and they cried oh yeah wow i'm not going to name any names but yeah it's happened 
I probably be the one that cries. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's always the uh, the big biker kind of guys. I think <laughs> the the toughest women are always the, the you know they're the toughest. They'll sit there for ten hours and get it all done like it's nothing. And then the guy who's just like yeah, oh, macho, he's like ow ow. <laughs> It's not the first time I heard women are tougher. Once again, you know, you're on the massage table and they're no joke. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, so uh, again, once again, it's not the first time I heard women are tougher. I'm on the massage table, female masseuse working on my back, doing a, 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 a deep tissue sport massage. And mm-hmm. I told her to lighten up and she's like, are you serious? Lighten up. Are you, I, I work <laughs> with like little girls who could take more pain than you. I'm like, wow. I'm like, thanks. Yeah, right. <laughs> so now, what are some of the most parts on your body that would probably be a lot more painful when you're getting inked? Oh, like the areas that would hurt more to get tattooed? Yeah. Uh, definitely, uh, I would say the two most painful areas for most people would be either your ribs or the top of your feet. Uh, the elbows kind of suck too, the wrists. But definitely the ribs and the top of the feet, I would say, are, from what I've seen, the top two most painful spots to get, get work done. Because they're, they're the more bony, thin skin areas, right? More bony, more thin skin. Um, especially the top of the feet, your skin is really thin. You got to be really delicate and careful so you don't uh, damage the skin or um, get a, what's called a blowout if the needle goes too deep the ink shoots everywhere under the skin it looks like a big cloudy mess so you don't want to do that <laughs> now and you, you mentioned before i mean i mean I, I i do i mean i do see once in a while not a lot i'm walking in a store and i'll see someone with a face tattoo mm-hmm. and it works on celebrities who you know who do who kind of you know create for a living i mean listen artists like post malone mm-hmm. and lil wayne i mean they're never going to get regular normal jobs no and they've already established themselves to the point that they don't have to right and so it is true when i see someone with the face tattoo i'm just like they've immediately they, they've, they've immediately disengaged themselves in society i mean they can't get out there i mean just it's tough for them to get jobs you know uh they'll be looked at i mean mm-hmm. yeah no i i mean it, that's it, like the way the way it is right now um at least in in our society of today you know hand tattoos face tattoos it they're not easily coverable in like a public setting and not everyone, I mean, tattoos have grown so much even in the last 20 years in terms of being acceptable and mainstream, but there's still like a good amount of people that that's, you know, off-putting to them or scary to them, or they have a, a lot of judgment with it. Hopefully down the road, just like, you know, back in the day, you get a tattoo on your arm and that was a taboo, crazy thing. I'm sure in 50 years from now, when a bunch of people have face tattoos, it's not going to be as big of a deal as it is today. But, uh, you know, that's a, a good ways off. And I don't know. I just think it's it's good to be able to have tattoos that you like and you can show off when you want to, but it's also good to be able to hide them and cover them when you want to as well. That's just my take on it. 
other people have different opinions though. Now, do you recommend taking painkillers before getting tattooed? I don't. And also the, the numbing cream too. Uh, I, I have a lot of people ask me, oh, should we put some numbing cream on it? And I always advise against it. It makes the skin harder to work on. It wears off quick anyway, kind of like your Novocaine, it seems. Right. And it's just uh, kind of a waste of time. You have to let it sit for 45 minutes and it doesn't really even help that much. It's still going to hurt. So it's like, if you want this tattoo, you just got to know, okay, it's going to hurt, but it's going to be over soon enough. And then you have a pretty cool piece of art on you. You got to earn it. You got to earn it. Has there ever been like, just like this crazy tattoo that you've ever done or something that sticks out into your mind that's like the most memorable? Uh, crazy tattoo. Um, I don't know. I've done a lot of tattoos, man. Like they're, they're all kind of unique and cool in their own way. Um, I remember this one girl, she came in and she wanted to get, it was her 18th birthday and the inside of her lip, she wanted to get fuck you. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> that that one always I was just, and it was her first tattoo. I was like, whatever. But a lot of the stuff I do is more like uh large scale Japanese stuff, kind of like I have on my arm, like you know, mm. dragons and koi fish and stuff like that. So nothing too crazy, but uh, you know, fun, classic, lots of stories behind them, lots of symbolism and meaning. So where do dragons and Japanese art, like how did that become popular? So there's a, a legend in Japan that uh, there's this river called Longman Falls and koi fish, they swim up it mm -hmm. every year and uh, you know, millions of them. And the legend is that all these koi are trying to get to the top of the mountain. And if one of the koi, when it gets to the top, is able to leap over the waterfall, which is called Dragon's Gate, the gods reward the koi for its perseverance to fight to get to the top by transforming it into a dragon. So it's kind of a, a symbol. Um, all these people are kind of in the rat race, fighting their way for success in life and good fortune and you know, to be at their highest level. And a uh, dragon, it kind of symbolizes the epitome of that in Japanese and Chinese culture. So you have a, a koi fish kind of fighting, going up the current, and then you have a dragon. It's just a kind of a symbol of, you know, achieving success in life and fighting for that every day. So Japanese art and dragons, though, has also heavily influenced Western Westerners. Oh yeah. So like, I mean, again, getting ink on their arms. So where do you think, like, where do you think that happened from? Like, where do you think there was a connection? Like, I'll tell you exactly where it happened from. Sure. It happened from uh, U.S. Naval soldiers or uh, Navy officers, whatever you want to call them, sailors uh, going over to Japan and getting these tattoos while they were in Japan on shore leave, coming back with these beautiful, elaborate, cool dragons or whatever in that style. And then people here seeing that and being like, oh, that's so cool. Um, you know, Ed Hardy, who most people know him for the, the clothing line, but actually Ed Hardy is uh, kind of like the godfather of tattooing him and Sailor Jerry. They brought, he would go over to Japan and bring a lot of that knowledge back here and started do, doing a lot of their style of art and exposing people to it through magazines and, and pictures and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it looks pretty cool. There's a lot of symbolism behind it. So I think that's why it's been popular now for thousands of years.
No, that's incredible. And that makes sense, right? I mean, a lot of this influence came from our servicemen going to different countries, experiencing a different culture, and then coming back and bringing it to our shores. Yep. Definitely. Now, you also have a new company that you started during this whole kind of COVID pandemic called Tattoo Shoes. Tattoos, yeah. Tattoos, tattoos. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically shoes that I, I tattoo. I got a pair right here. I'll hold it up so you can see it. Um, these are tat shoes. They're hand painted by myself. Uh, each pair is one of a kind, made for the wearer. Uh, you can, they're fully custom, just like a tattoo. You can get whatever you want. If I can uh, paint it, I'll do it for you. And they're pretty cool. They've been really taken off. I started doing it during the pandemic when I wasn't able to tattoo. And I was kind of going stir crazy like everyone. I was like, oh, let me just paint on a pair of shoes just for fun. And I posted it up on social media. I got a big reaction to it. You know, those are so cool. How much? I was like, how much? Oh, wow. You'll pay for it. Okay, cool. Sold a couple pairs right off the bat. And then it just kept going and going. And uh, now it's become a, a full-fledged business. I just partnered with uh, ePlay and uh, Howie Mandel. He's got a new app called Howie's Games that's uh, coming out. And you can basically, uh, you know, run around and chase Howie around and uh, attack him with hand sanitizer and stuff. But uh, there's different clothes you can wear in the game. So you'll be able to wear tattoos in the game uh, and download them as an NFT and also purchase the, uh, the physical pairs so you can wear them around. So now what do you paint the shoes? Like what, what kind of paint? Like I use a waterproof acrylic paint. So they're fully washable. You can wear them in the rain, not have to worry about the shoe getting washed off. Um, yeah, acrylic paint holds up really well. And I've, I tested them. I went on a few hikes and then threw them in the, the washing machine and they still look good. So they look like, are they slip on like kind of a van yep, vans. type of shoe? Vans, yeah. they're vans. Yeah, yeah, slip on canvas shoes. Uh, super comfortable, easy to get on. Don't have to waste time tying your shoes. So that is a van shoe, right? So basically van doesn't own, they don't own that style of shoe. Is that right, vans? They don't own There's that. There's tons of different styles of canvas shoes. Basically, um, you could give me any kind of shoes you want and I'll, I'll paint on them for you. Um, but I, when you just buy like a custom pair for me, I do them on, on this because uh, the canvas looks the best. And also there's just more area to draw on the front and the sides and get more artwork rather if you had the laces on it. So let me ask you this, is that like a van shoe without the label? Yeah, it's uh, my my own brand of uh, canvas shoes called Tat Shoes. It's oh, just like Vans, but it's right. not. But, 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 but what I mean is so, but the shoe itself mm -hmm. is literally like the same design as Vans without the... It's slightly different. I mean, like the, the curves here and in the back are, are different, but it's it's essentially a van shoe. So, the, the reason why I'm asking that is because there's a lot of people that actually like that slip-on van type of shoe. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you wouldn't know that it's not vans unless I was right. like, you know, it, it looks almost exactly the same. It's not, but it is. <laughs> right. Totally. Um, now, so... Now, are you back in action now? Like as far as, I mean, 
you know, tattooing? Is your studio open? Oh yeah. Now, now it's back to full blown. Like, uh, and it has been for the last year, um, right when everything got lifted, it was just like, boom, everyone wanted to get tattooed and it's going strong and it's good. So any cool people that you worked on that just randomly popped in, you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. Oh yeah. I've been tattooing a lot of cool people. Um, I, you know, I've tattooed, uh, Steven Piercy, the singer from rat. I just tattooed, uh, Stu Ham from Joe Satriani's band. Um, lots of different guys, but you know, everyone that comes in that always has like a cool story and uh, a reason for getting the tattoo that they're getting. Uh, And it's not always what you think it would be. Um, So it's just cool to just talk to people and, you know, hear why they're, they're getting this artwork on their body and, you know, kind of make it uh, happen for them is, is a cool thing. Now, do you find, you know, everything comes in kind of waves. So do you think like the new generation with tattoos, do you find that as popular as the previous generation? Is it the same? Calm down more? I think uh, tattoos have always been, I shouldn't say always, but tattoos are, are popular. Um, what types of tattoos at a certain time or depends on the, just like music, you know, like in the nineties, the it was grunge. And then it was, you know, the eighties, you had like the new wave kind of synth pop shit you know, back in the nineties, like tribal tattoos were super cool. And now they're not anymore, but they, they were. And now the, the fingers and the face little tattoos are cool or like the super intricate uh, work tattoos that are like really small. It's like almost not even having a tattoo. That, that's what's cool. Um, but one of the reasons I really like Japanese style tattoos is through all of this, it's always been cool. It's always been popular before it was even over here for thousands of years, it's been in Japan, the full body uh, suits, you know, telling the stories and uh, it's timeless. That's why, why I like it. It always looks good. It's not a, a passing fad, so to speak. I'm trying to think of when I was like a little kid, the tattoo that I remember. Mm-hmm as being most popular. And I think it was like a rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, roses are classic. Those are always cool. And you know, like the whole Pam and Tommy shows out right now. So she, she had that uh, barbed wire armband in the nineties. And like, then every girl wanted to get that or the tramp stamp was popular for a while. And now it's like, oh, tramp stamp. So it's, it's always good to, at least in my opinion, to not follow a trend because it might be cool for that fleeting moment, but 10 years from now, is it still going to be cool? You're really going to want SpongeBob on you. You know, I say to get something that's like timeless and it's always going to, you know, look cool and not be a trend. Yeah. And as you said, like tattoos, I think are truly like a mystery, the way people react to them. I mean, and what I really think is kind of cool, people always expect young people to get tattoos. Like everyone expects, like if you're in college or, you know, hey, but what I really find that's cool. I mean, there was like an instance where I know I'm friends with this guy in his 60s mm-hmm. and he never had a tattoo. I never noticed it. And one day I met him and I saw like a big tattoo on his forearm. 
And for a minute, I'm like, wait, am I like, what's going on? Because I just wouldn't expect, but he's like, yeah. He's like, listen, I mean, I, I got a tattoo and I always wanted one. And so I think it's always cool when someone later in their life commits. Absolutely. And I have a, a number of clients like that. It's like, I feel like you're talking about one of them right now. I had this client, he's a, an executive at JP Morgan, you know, powerful banker guy. And I did his first tattoo. He's in his sixties. I think he was like 62, 63 around there. And uh, we did a koi fish on his arm and he was like, oh, that's all I'm going to get. And now I, the other day I just did his like eighth tattoo. I've done both arms, top, bottom, his back. I just did a bird on his chest a couple weeks ago and he's loving it. You know, for, for a lot of these guys, it's like, they're, uh, I think it's their cool thing to do. They're not going out to the bar and partying. It's like, this is how they're expressing themselves and, uh, and living. And I think you make better decisions on the art too, when you're, you know, a little bit more mature and you can also afford better artwork. You're not just like, you know, eating ramen and then trying to go get tattooed. What can I get for 30 bucks? And like, you know, nothing kid, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and you know what? And at that point, you know, when you're 60, you're definitely not going to regret it or saying, or it will be more meaningful, you know, getting a tattoo when you're 60. I mean, if you haven't figured yourself out what you like and what you don't like at 60, I mean, consider right. you only have maybe 20 years left on earth, but um, absolutely. Yeah. That'll probably be me. I'll probably get it tattooed. Good way to, to do it too, and it's like, um, yeah, you definitely won't regret it. You, you'll know what you want, and um, yeah, you're more set in who you are. I always say too, it's like what you think is cool when you're 17 is probably not going to be as cool when you're, you know, a grown man or woman. So, no, absolutely. I mean, right? Taste change. We grow, we evolve, our thinking change, perspective changes, values change. And, you know, you're just getting that tattoo in a small snapshot in time. Right. Sm very small. Yeah. And it's very easy to outgrow that time. And like looking back at it. So now how much do those tattoos cost, by the way? Like if you want to order a pair, how much do they oh, cost? Tattoos. So a custom pair like this one that I have would go for a three seventy five. But I'm also in the process right now. I teamed up with a, a company that I'm going to have limited edition ones that aren't hand painted, but they are my designs uh, printed on, and those will be two fifty. So a little bit more affordable, but not as uh, as custom as the one of one that you would get. And where, and where can you find those? I have a website. It's called tattoos.com. It's a T A T T S H O O S, like tattoos and shoes, but combined. Tattoos.com. You can go on there. I have a bunch of them up. You can check out all the designs. Uh, you can message me and chat directly, and we can come up with like a perfect custom thing for you. Or if you see something you like in the limited edition section, uh, you can just get one of those and have them ready to go. And where is your studio located on the East and West Coast? And what's, and what's the name of it? Uh, so I'm the owner of CNT, uh, Tattoo and Microblading. Um, and I have locations here in Sherman Oaks, California, as in Los Angeles, and uh, Montauk, New York, which is all the way out east on Long Island, a couple hours outside of New York City. 
Um, I go in and I work in New York City as well. And I travel all over. I'm going to be in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona and Las Vegas next week working. And then in uh, a few months later, I'll be in uh, Michigan, close to Detroit. So uh, yeah, man, just tatting up America. <laughs> tatting off America. I love it. And um, I mean, yeah, no, listen, I, I, I would love to come out to one of those studios one day and um and kind of see kind of how you work. But um, no, I mean, again, I mean, thanks for uh, the talk, the discussion. Um, again, I just loved how the fact that you transitioned from music as a musician into a tattoo artist and uh, both, both cool lifestyles. And I mean, right, you're making your own personal statement. That's what's amazing about this. I mean, through music, you made a statement through your playing, through songs, and now through tattooing. I mean, right? You are bringing your own style, your own your own contribution to the world, and um, I love it. <laughs>